Granddad Business with Aaron Caliber. That's my dad. Hello, underpants. That is hilarious. Just your mouth do. Rate and review this podcast while my daddy will go into a deep depression. <laughs> Welcome to Grown Dad Business. This is Aaron Kleiber. This week, fun week. My guest is laughing at me because uh, I'm turning on my podcast voice. Um, this week, I have a really funny friend, uh, Jessa Reed, and um, it's going to get real, guys. This is one of the most interesting mom comics I have ever met. Her story is phenomenal uh, and touching and hilarious because she makes fun of herself. Uh, but first, real quick, guys, you know, I got to give a shout out to my sponsor, Goods and Evil, goodsandevil.com. Awesome movie shirts, horror shirts, and even a line of vegan shirts. If you're into that, I'm into meat. Some people aren't. Whatever. Follow your heart. Uh, go to goodsandevil.com. You can get 10% off any T-shirt with the coupon code. I have to remember my own coupon code. It's grown up. <laughs> All one word, grown up. I know, right? Because coupon codes are for grown ups. Um, and if you want to see me live, AaronKleiber.com. If you don't know how to spell my name, why are you listening to my podcast? Because it's right in front of you. You can do that. Look it up. Uh, boom. Let's get rolling here. We are uh, sitting outside. I just did an amazing uh, fundraiser show. Um, that was a fun show. Uh, but uh, I'm in Delaware, where my friend Jessa Reed is from. We're outside and because uh, I found out in my hotel that there is... <laughs> A conference of 300 middle schoolers, and they're talking about harmful words. Um, I will give them harmful words, like (laughs) rude, annoying. Um, uh, Yeah, they're the worst. Um, And they, they have an atrium, a huge atrium that is in the middle of the hotel that goes up all the way six floors. Uh, And they had a huge meeting. It's 745 in the morning, a pump-up jam. Little, you know what I'm talking about? Little, little like, all right, everybody, we're about to not be harmful to people's feelings. We're about to, we're about to not not say adjectives like ugly. Uh, but some people are ugly, guys. Let's just let's just be real here. Uh, some people are sleeping. Some people are sleeping. It's seven forty-five when you're on a goddamn megaphone. It's seven four. Like who? Who at the hotel was like, let's wheel in the podium and the and the speaker at seven forty five, in our atrium that's like a built in subwoofer in the middle of a goddamn hotel. Are you kidding me right now? And then then, so I was like, I'm up. I'm gonna go work out for a little bit. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna go hit up. I'm gonna go hit up some free breakfast. Right? Go hit up some free breakfast. It's nice. Couple you know, couple couples, businessmen. And then the conference halls let out at about 9.30 in the morning. And uh, the kids already had breakfast. But there's free juice and fancy Chablis glasses that they can put their juice in and cereal and eggs. And then I watched uh, about 100 middle schoolers (laughs) eating breakfast with their hands. I'm talking about I saw a boy grab a handful of scrambled eggs. With his hands, eating, just pouring cereal into their hands, <laughs> uh, like Mad Max Thunderdome. It, like, what? Do they talk oh like they don't want to hurt each other's feelings? How about hurting everybody else's? <laughs> like, just respecting people's space and their manners. Because fuck manners, right? <sighs> I'm allowed to say that. I never say that, but I'm saying it. <laughs> I try not to oh. swear on my podcast, but I'm pretty angry. So uh, that's where we're at. Good thing you just said that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So I'm here with my friend Jess Reed. Jess Reed is a comedian. Uh, You do a lot of different things. I do. You're a filmmaker, a writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and you've done some uh, some recovery shows. Yeah. Uh oh. What? What? If they read the, the 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 description of the podcast, there'll be a little bit of spoiler alert, so they know what they're getting into. Um, how long have you been doing comedy? I started doing comedy when I was 21, 
and um, pretty much was on the road. I won a comedy competition, like my 12th time on stage. And then uh, I was like slutty and I had a car. So all the headliners <laughs> just took me as their opener. So I got quite a bit of work. Oh, boy. And oh, um, by the way, that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> That's not. It's not a great business model, but it was. It was the nineties. Uh, <laughs> things were. A little we're so old. <laughs> it was, it was so the nineties, man. It was. It was ninety nine. Soundgarden. <laughs> and then um, I would. Uh, I was twenty one. You got free drinks. You got unlimited free drinks. Oh yeah, when you do comedy back then, which is why now I there's hit. like uh, two drinks or something. I guess. I mean, no. I, mean, I don't know. I don't drink anymore. But no, I don't drink anymore either. Which is why I hit three hundred forty pounds. Because they were like, I was like, what? You can drink all the Captain and Cokes you want? Okay, I didn't know they still did that. I, I um, Well, you know, A-clubs. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> not what I was saying. Um, so I would be so drunk from the night before. Because I'm 21, you're traveling, just sure. getting wasted. You're having a blast. That I was getting pulled over the next morning. Yeah. Swerving. So then someone <laughs> taught me that if you do a line of Coke, these are all really good um, life hacks. Not, if you do a line of Coke, you'll sober good. up tips right so then i would just ask the bartender at these at these uh these bars you know can you get me a line of white well i asked a bartender that in montana and white does not mean coke in montana it means meth so i did a line of meth and then (gasps) was just a meth addict after that wow (laughs) so and i i also want to throw this in the mix too Oh, somebody's getting nuts on their street bike, showing how big their balls are. Good times. That's what you get outside, guys. Uh, I apologize for the outside interruptions. You may hear uh, Fast and the Furious street bikes, biker boys with a Z. You might hear that because, uh, once again, I just want to quickly say there are 300 middle schoolers talking about their feelings right now uh, in the hotel. So so much worse than a We're boy. outside. But you're also a mom. Now, you're, yeah. You're a mother of three. And uh, how old are your kids? I have a 21-year-old daughter. I have a 13-year-old stepson that lives with us. I have a 6-year-old daughter and a 2-year-old daughter. So four kids, technically. Um, And your 2-year-old daughter is Phoenix, right? No, that's Lilith. Oh, I'm sorry, Lilith. serial killer. Lilith, that's right. Because you you may have seen on my social medias, Jessa is one of the few comedian parents that I share her posts because they're hilarious. Um. No, they're pretty funny. Uh, you may have seen me share them because uh, uh, your pictures of your two-year-old Lilith with her dead eyes. Yes, um, <laughs> like she gives no fucks about anything. About anything, and it's She's the most surly. Like from birth. <laughs> well, and I had her. Um, you know, we had like a a birth control mishap. Well, you know about that. Oh and yeah, and and then I took Plan B. Um, because okay. I had a big. That's why she's angry. Yeah, and then she just chewed those up like mints and spit them out, and was like, "See you in nine months." Oh my god! And that's exactly how her personality. I don't know if she's mad at me because of that, but that's exactly how she came her personality out like, is. Yeah, for real. Nice try. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Now, okay, so y- you you have a bunch of kids. You have you have four kids at home. Well, the twenty-one-year-old is out on her own. Okay, so let's let's backtrack again. Uh, how old were you when you had your twenty-one-year-old? I was seventeen. Um, I got uh, pregnant. I was uh, living with my grandmother for a little bit. My parents were messed up on drugs. I was living with my grandmother for a little bit, and she started taking me to church, right? Um, all the time, which wasn't really my scene. So um, I ended up hooking up with the pastor's son, right? And um, getting pregnant, which was like their worst. How old was the pastor's son? He was nine. I was sixteen. He was nineteen. Ooh, snap! And like, <laughs> I was their worst nightmare. Guys, I told you it was going to get real. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I saw his parents like reconsider their stance on abortion for a second when we went and told him I was pregnant. Wow! Because I was like, like a wannabe gangster. I wore like sagging. Did cross you wear Jenko Jenko jeans? This is before that. This is cross colors. So oh, yeah. So I might have been too young because I'm about five years older than you, I think. Yeah, I'm 34. Yeah, so I'm 39. So it was like these uh, colored jeans, sagging cross oh, yeah, colors. I, cross I colors. quoted Ice Cube all day from Boys in the Hood. 
Uh, you quoted Boys in the Hood? Yeah, I just wanted to be Ice Cube. All the other girls were on some other trip, but... Wow. Um, so, so you're 17. The pastor's son gets you pregnant. I'm 16 when I get pregnant. Oh, yeah, 16. We drive to the hitching post in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Which what is, is What is that? It's just a little place you can get married outside of the... Um, like, you walk into the building to get your marriage license and come back out, and it's just this weird shack-looking thing called yeah. literally the hitching post. Um, and I was eating a Subway sub because I had morning sickness while we got married. And we didn't live in Idaho. We lived in Portland, but Idaho is, like, the nearest state You live in Portland, you... Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, it's my like, uncle lives there. My aunt and uncle. It's a nice place. Yeah. I feel like rain. Um, so Idaho is the nearest state that would let you get married at 16. Wow. Even with parent consent. Wow. So we were married for like five years. Uh, I actually left him because he told me that I couldn't do comedy. You, so, so at that point, you were like a housewife. Were you like a housewife at 17, 18, 19? Um, on and off. Like there were times you that were I a worked. church wife? Yeah. I was super involved in the ministry. Right. Um, super involved in the youth group. I did a lot of teen mom stuff. I worked at the church for a while. So, so they were like, you got you to gotta spin this. We, um, his dad was like the evangelist, like street preacher. This is right. a huge, like mega church. Yeah. Um, on TV and everything else. Okay. So, um, was it in the press? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the, that church is still a thing in, in, in Texas now. So his parents were just, uh, pastors on staff at that church. Right. So we were very into that for a long time. He, um, <clears throat> I didn't meet like the requirements of what he, planned on having for a wife so yeah the marriage was just a mess yeah um, i mean that being that young right and i mean were you kind of like you know i kind of have a church background people listen to my podcast so were you kind of like faking it to make no. it or you were you were in no i had like a supernatural experience yeah um when i got saved and so i was very uh, committed to that. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, it was the amount of time that I spent with the people that right, probably right. took away from that. Right. You know? Um, and no, I can attest to that for sure. Yeah. I no longer work in nonprofit or ministry because it's not about Jesus. It was right. about his followers. Right. Uh, that claim him. Right. That's so I was very, like, I became obsessed with like, like let's see the let's see the miracles let's see you know let's right. see the the book of acts happen again and it was you know it ended up being a lot more noise nickels and numbers and a lot more like right. what things look like and so it i wow. ended up getting like disillusioned and yeah. and and leaving um, so you started doing comedy at 21 yeah i knew i was going to be on stage i always thought i was going to be an actress like from the time i was a kid that's all i talked about right and um even the first thing i said to him when i met him i used to just give people my autograph and be like you're going to need this someday like oh my from my whole life i never would have thought i could do stand-up because i'm not like funny in person yeah and so he was really funny but i was a compulsive liar oh. so he was really funny and um we would go to open mics, but he didn't have the balls to get up there. And right. so uh, I was being funny one night at a work thing when I was 21, and everyone was like, oh, my God, you're so funny. And I was like, oh, I do comedy, which because I went to comedy. I was one of those, right, like, yeah, yeah. just super exaggerator. Right. So then they called me the next Monday night and said, we're coming to Burbati's Pan to support you. And so I had to get on stage. Right. Other Like, I, I couldn't get caught in the lie. So I just wrote a few things down and then got wasted drunk and got up there and killed. Yeah. And then um, after that show, a guy came up to me and was like, we need the token female, for, literally, the yeah, 90s. Well, they didn't know. hide the sexism in the 90s. Right, well. So they were like, we need a token female for this um, comedy competition. Yeah. So I went and did the comedy competition. The preliminaries was like my third time on stage. I did a couple more open mics, semifinals, couple more open mics and finals, and I beat all these comics that have been doing comedy. Yeah, and it's funny because we we had a conversation after our show last night about like people that just start comedy winning competitions because yeah. they bring a lot of people. You don't know the 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 heartbreak in the game of it yet, right? So you're just like whatever. I'm gonna say whatever I want, right? And usually when someone is naturally funny and 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 outspoken. It works. Right. It works. You know what I mean? Because you're just, you're so raw. Right. You know, so people enjoy that. And then six months later, you're like, oh, this is hard. 
Um, well, I think because I was, you know, I was young because I was pretty, I was doing really well that first year. You know, I was, I was only 21, so I appealed to the college kids, sure. but I'd been a wife and a mother for five years. So it's I crazy. wasn't like, you know, because I, like, I wouldn't want to listen to a 21 year old girl right. probably talk about her life would not be like, right. But I was but talking you about had a worldview. Right. And we talk about that too. Young comics don't really have a worldview yet. Right. Which, you know, you hear like dating is hard. Living in my mom's basement. Right. Like, my dad is dumb. I'm like, what? Nope. Nope. Right. And I try not to impose, you know, because I have a 21-year-old. Right. And all of my sisters are a decade younger than me. And I try not to impose um, my 39 years of experience on someone who's young. You know, right. I'm like, I don't get all of this sensitivity stuff. I don't get this at all. I don't, but, I like, don't I'm not going to... Um, that's your job is to be young and passionate about whatever sure. it is the hell you're talking about. Yeah. So I'm not going to try to take that away from you, but I don't know why you care. So you started in comedy and you're saying your husband at the time wasn't crazy about it. Yeah. Well, this is like a very chauvinist setup and, um, I didn't really, he had cheated on me several times. It was a mess. Oh, this this marriage a, was a mess. Wow. And more so, girls at church. No. And they were always these really random, and every woman has the one guy that makes her go completely psycho, but I'm not right. naturally a jealous person. But yeah. when he would cheat on me, it would be the, such the weirdest circumstances. The first time he cheated on me, he was in the praise and worship at church. Oh, he dropped my me off. Word. He dropped me and his newborn child off at church and went to go get a pack of gum. He goes to get a pack of gum and never comes back. Never pack comes of back. gum. I air quotes. Like he intent, he did go get a pack of that's not like true. that's what he left to do. But listen, that cannot be true. He never comes back and gets us. They have to do praise and worship without him. I have to hitch a ride home with someone from church. Wait, he comes home. He, the pastor's son is cheating on you and didn't show up for praise and worship. Right. He no. He literally left to get a pack of gum. But then he gets home at one o'clock in the morning and tells me he was always like I could guilt him into telling me the truth. Yeah. He, he met a girl named Amber with a floppy hat because she had her head shaved because she had a brain tumor removed and a tight dress. They started talking. He took her in his car from, from the, where he was getting the pack of gum. They banged it out. He dropped her off in southeast Portland. He comes back and tells me this. It's such a paradigm shift. What? Yeah, I go nuts. I'm He's driving got around for weeks looking for Amber with the floppy hat. Yeah. I end up kidnapping my mom's old meth dealer's daughter, I remembered her name was Amber, and I could totally see that chick having a brain tumor. So I went and kidnapped her and brought her back to my house, and I'm like soft interrogating her. And my husband comes home, and I'm like, remember Amber? And he's like, what? Like, I just went nuts. He just made me crazy. It wasn't the same Amber. I did end up finding floppy hat Cuckoo bananas. Yeah, but like I couldn't, like, it just messed with, I needed, the story sounded so ridiculous that I felt like I needed to find I, I hope everybody's get already getting the sense that like <laughs> it's gonna get more real. It's gonna, it's your life gets more interesting. Uh, kidnapping right after this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I um, I catfished him. Yeah. Back when it was super easy to catfish people in the days of web TV because there was really? no pictures, no Google. Yeah. It's just green words on a screen. Yeah. So I created a fake per This is when I was trying to just leave, but I just needed him to mess up one more time so I could be like, boom. Yeah. This is why. Oh, I'm yeah. Because, you know, him missing praise and worship, <laughs> banging a girl he met at a 7 Eleven, you need another one. Yeah, well, because I yeah, kept okay. going back. So when he finally, I moved across the country to get away from him, and then he followed me. And a lot of this was built around my weight. He okay. had issues because I gained a lot of weight when I was pregnant and never lost oh, it. Oh, God forbid. And then I wasn't submissive. Oh, my Some word. Some of these stories are hard without cussing. I wasn't, like, submissive. Well, I've, I've, I've already swore more than I usually <laughs> do in a podcast because of the middle schoolers in the hotel. Um. So, uh, yeah, the dynamic, I just, I'm not really cut out for subordination. Sure. That's why I wasn't <clears throat> in high school when we met. So, uh, so I catfished him. I made up a fake person. He agrees to meet this chick. Oh and God. I'm like, the day of, I'm like, okay, by the way, that chick is me. And boom, you're caught. I'm done. And then I watch him register what has happened. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I knew it was you. What? And I'm like, you did not know it was me. He's like, no, like the uh, the Pina Colada song. You know the Pina Colada song where yeah, the guy, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay. And he's like, I thought it was like foreplay. But the stuff he was saying to this chick was like horrible. 
you know. Oh, my. About me. So, uh, finally. He was talking about his wife. Right. Yeah, like, my wife's fat. It's hard for me to have sex with her when I think of all the guys she had sex with before me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, that's not foreplay. My mouth is agape. <laughs> the Pina Colada song would have been a lot darker. <laughs> Whoa. So, by the time you're 21, are you pretty much out of the... Oh, I'm so done with him. Right. Um, it's pretty much Pet cemetery. When he comes and gets me from the East Coast, I yeah. lost all the weight. And then he's like, oh, you're beautiful now. I want to be your husband. Right. And I said yes to because I thought it was the right thing for our daughter. Hey, uh, sorry. We had to take a quick break. My wife, Mrs. Kleiber, uh, just ran a half marathon, and she called me, and it's super exciting, and she's my Wonder Woman, and it's pretty awesome. She's pretty awesome. It's pretty exciting. So shout out to Mrs. Kleiber. It's exciting. Um, yeah, my wife's awesome, okay? That's amazing. Deal with it, all right? Maybe you should go get a good, lo- a good lady, okay? A good-looking woman. <laughs> Who runs marathons because it's pretty awesome. Um, anyway, so Jesse, you were at the part where your husband kind of followed you. You moved away. I moved away. You lost a bunch of weight. Now he's like, oh, what up, though, girl? Yeah. And so then uh, we moved back and it was just Pet Cemetery. I hated it. I didn't want to be there anymore, but I needed him to do something wrong. So that's when I catfished him to try to right. get away. But then. He said that it, it, he knew it was me, which I knew he didn't, but that was a bad story to end on. So, And when you're young, you think stuff like the older, like now I'm to a point in my life where if it just wasn't working, I would be like, hey, not working, no time to waste. Right, right. But when you're young, it's like, I don't want everyone to think I was the wrong one or right. whatever. So um, I was just waiting for him to do something bad enough that I could leave. And, uh, okay, so, so I had wanted so to left. be an actress. Yeah. Nope, I wanted to be an actress. Uh Never would have thought I could do comedy, but looking back on my childhood, when all the other kids were watching cartoons, I was watching sitcoms right. from, like, little, four or five yeah. years old. Um, when Comedy Central came out, like, I watched stand-up constantly. And huh. now I think, like, I couldn't have even... Understood it? I guess because I, like, grew, like, grew up fast because of my childhood. But, yeah, yeah, like, I was obsessed with stand-up. I just never would have thought I could do it. So I did it. Um, I did this. I got up on stage... And then ended up doing this comedy competition, which was actually out of town. Yeah. And so he was driving me out of town to do this comedy competition and seemed very supportive. Right. But I was having this, like, this just, like, complete change in my life. Like, all of a sudden, this is the thing that I knew I could do. Like, this is the the thing since I could talk. I've said I was going to be on stage. I can't believe this. I can do stand-up. So on the way home from me winning that competition, he said, uh, okay, well, I didn't want to burst your bubble during that competition. For real? <laughs> like, by, by the way, I just want to point out that the, 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 the SUV is surrounded by people with the doors open. They, they can't figure out how their vehicle works. Um, so you go out of town for this competition. We're on the way home. He said, I didn't want to burst your bubble during the competition, but no wife of mine is going to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> and I was like, deal. <laughs> so oh, okay. Great. You keep You the made cat. that pretty easy. Um, he said, you know, you're not going to be on the road with dudes, staying in hotel rooms with dudes. Yeah. You're a wife. And I was like, not anymore. Peace. I took my it. kid that night and moved into my mom's basement. And that was it. That was the end of that marriage. That was it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So backtrack. So you're doing comedy. You're touring. You get meth. I get meth. And my mom was a meth addict for 25 years. Wow. What about your dad? My dad was an alcoholic and, like, high-functioning, but he lived in Delaware. My mom lived in Portland. Okay. And so my mom was high-functioning for a meth addict. Like, we had a house, and she kept us more sheltered than the other tweakers' kids. Sure, sure, sure. But I swore I would never, ever do meth. Like, that was, like... I definitely had an addictive personality and would do pretty much anything, but I right. swore I would never do meth. So I would have never intentionally tried it. Right. But the second I tried it, I felt like I had found what I was looking for. Oh I literally, like, called everyone. I used, I spent all my comedy money because I still had five more days on that run. Right. When I did the meth, I was awake for those full five days. Holy I'm sure moly. it was just – I don't remember me being on stage. I'm sure it was wow. a, a mess. Um, I get, I called everyone in Portland and said, I'm going to be a tweaker now. Like, I'm just going to do math. So I don't want 
you to harass me about it. This is what I've been looking for my whole life. Like just just the first just time. Just like I tried you chose it. Jesus. Yeah, and comedy. Wow. <laughs> and then that was You were um, twenty one. Twenty one. I came back, I did comedy for about I finished the gigs that I had booked. So I was I did comedy for that first year, but I was probably on the road three weeks out of the month as a feature. Yeah. Um from the from when I started. And so and you're just uh, touring with comedians you knew? Yeah. It was not, you know, not clubs or anything. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. There was a ton of one-nighters back then. And right. all, you know, Idaho, Pennsylvania. Triple or, uh, run? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was triple. It was a triple run when I got high on meth. Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you knew about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, they said no to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Yeah, that's cool. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. Is this the meth gigs? Probably saved yeah, your cool. money. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I don't even know. Here's your feature. How you doing? <laughs> so the last time that I did comedy, I went to Walla Walla, Washington. I'd been spun out on meth for a couple months. I'd been awake. It was ocean beaches, and then you had to go over to Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. And I'd been awake for days. When I roll into Walla Walla, and Walla Walla, I'd done that room before, and they treat comedians like rock stars this really? room was the one of the best you know those yeah. just rooms where you're just sure, a yeah. hero i love it and i had just slayed there yeah months ago i get there but i'm so high that i'm like and when you first start doing meth um there's a lot of hallucinations and stuff because you don't you don't sleep and eat yet and so i trip when i'm getting on stage my autopilot is saying my jokes right but i there's no timing there's no delivery a ton of my stuff was about being overweight but i dropped a ton of weight because meth and then i thought i I got startled by Did you talk about being on meth on stage no i was like people knew you were messed up elephant in the room oh yeah the whole audience was staring at me like what in the hell like no laughs and i'd never really bombed before that yeah and so then I got startled by what appeared to be a crawdad tarantula, yeah. <laughs> some type of um, that's hilarious. mutated thing. And then I stopped and stared at it. This was while you were on stage? While on stage for a while. Wait, wait. You saw a crawdad? It was about the size of a tarantula. It had a crawdad's body with... Oh, tra- but it was fake. Yeah, it was a meth It was a, a meth creature. Yeah. It was a meth creature. So I got that was startled. my first improv group, <laughs> <laughs> meth creature, and also my first punk. But I was, was my, no, th- no, that was the ska band, <laughs> meth creature, because it was the nineties. <laughs> oh my god! I got startled by an invisible thing while on stage. <laughs> while these people, are, while these people are already staring at me for ten minutes in silence, like what is happening? Did anybody like take you off stage? <laughs> no, not until I cried. You started crying. <laughs> Oh, this is hilarious. To I'm just, my mouth is a gate. You're crying. <laughs> so I stop and I'm staring at the invisible meth creature. Oh my God. That's off to my side. So I'm like mid bit that I'm not delivering correctly. And then I go, <gasps> and I just stare. <laughs> oh my God. I wish this was on film. I stare for a couple minutes. I don't know if it's a couple minutes, a minute, which is a really right, right, long yeah. time. That's a long time on stage. <laughs> And then I realize that's probably not real. And then I look back at the audience and they're all just like, what the hell is happening? And then I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember where I was at. And then I just start bawling. And then I just drop the mic on the floor and run into the bathroom. (laughs) She's laughing half at her story, half at my face. (laughs) So the owner comes in and is like, uh, you can have your hotel room or you can have your money. I'm not giving you both. I really needed a nap. <laughs> like, I really needed that room. What the hell? So, but I needed the money to buy meth more. So I would, I think Walla Walla is like four hours from Portland, okay. if I remember correctly. So I take the money. I, like, won't leave the bathroom until the audience has left the building. Right. So they're just like, are you going to leave our bathroom? Because it was just hours of me in the bathroom. And then I finally, like, just run, just power run out of the building. Like, and you have your car. <laughs> yeah. I drive home. You have to drive through the Dalles. Okay. In Oregon, which are which is gorgeous, but it's, like, mountain. Like, you could, kill, you could easily yeah, right. die driving off the side of it. And, um... 
I was in like this meth, like this sleep deprived trance where I thought I was being, that I was being guided because I was falling in and out of sleep. Yeah. I was being guided by uh, trucks with lights. Right. But now what I realized what was just lights, trucks were flashing their lights at me because I was going like two miles an hour probably when I was Are falling asleep. Me? I have no idea how I survived this. Like this was like complete divine intervention. Every There's no drug way. addict has a story like that. There's so I've many heard. stories where like how did I survive that? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I do start to get pulled over at one point and I have... There's just a, you get to a point of like sleep deprivation where the meth, you just have to go to sleep. So like there was like a bag of meth in my lap and, um, I start to get pulled over and then I start to wake up to what's happening and then, but I haven't pulled over yet. There's not really a lot of places to pull over. And then a, um, car flies past us so fast that the cop pulls out from behind me and takes off after the car. Oh, you were going to jail. Oh, I was... I was done. Yeah. yeah. And why they picked that car, I had to have just been driving insane. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. I, so then I called Tribble and told him I was, ta- I was taking a sabbatical to write a book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, because I'd really. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, because I've been doing these one-nighters for yeah. a year. And I think, uh, you know, I just really need to take a break and reflect on my career. <laughs> so he was like, okay, whatever. You just lost me walla walla. Uh, yeah. So then I just did meth for six years. So you stopped comedy. At, at, was this a uh, 21? 22? 22. So you were doing comedy for about a year. Mm-hmm. You have the walla walla incident. <laughs> and then you just stopped doing comedy. Yep. I never got on stage again. That was my first time bombing, too. And so you didn't do comedy for six years. Yeah. And you did meth. I did meth. I dropped my kid off at my sister-in-law. She used to, my sister-in-law watched my daughter while I was on the road. Yeah. And so I went to her and was just like, I don't think I should be a mom. Can you just keep her? I was like not admitting to them that I was they giving her They knew something was wrong. But like my mom, like I didn't want to raise my kid in the drug world like right. I was raised, you know. And so I. Did they know that? Did you tell them that? Um, everyone knew but right. I lied to them, you know, all my friends knew I was very direct with my friends, but um it was like the elephant in the room. When you're yeah. on drugs, you feel like like you have your everything's together. Like you're playing it off, you right. know, you're but like you're nobody not has a even clue. remotely playing it off. Right. You know, I, I've been rifling through this bag of things for and the last And nobody tried minutes. to help you. Um well, the cool thing about having uh so many addicts in my family is that um you can't stop Someone. Yeah, and it, was it like a lot of people that were close to your family? It was like, oh, it's about time that she picked it up. Um, or it's like, I think oh, it no, that's what like, that family does. You know, they were sad that yeah. it was happening, but um, you know, they know that you just kind of have to take your hands off the wheel and let it let it happen. Jeez. <clears throat> and then I disappeared. Like I disappeared. My family thought I was dead several times because I went just years without. And you Making went contact. years without even seeing your daughter. Yeah, no. I, the last time I saw her was, she, was when she was five. Yeah. I got clean when she was ten. Wow. And, like, um, then she found me on MySpace. I mean, Whoa. as soon as I got clean, I called them. But I right. promised them I wouldn't come take her back. Right. So that was something I had to, like, battle with for right. a long time, whether or not that was the right thing. And after a few years, I decided that... She should be with me because she's. So when did you finally get back custody of your daughter? Uh, I she made contact when she was twelve. I had her come out and visit a couple times. She went back and forth on what she wanted. I wasn't going to take her yeah. if she didn't want to be taken. I got her back when she was fourteen. So it's about t- almost ten years that she lived without me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did that did that mess with you for a while? Um. It's kind of a weird thing. I, my philosophy on life is very much take responsibility for as much in your life sure. as you can. Process the things that happen. I don't really believe that like things are innately good or bad. They just are. They're just experiences. We're just here to have experiences. Um, I don't like nobody has ever accomplished anything by feeling sorry for themselves. Right. Uh, regret, resentments, all that stuff. Right. Is just uh, garbage that clogs up your life. And people who huh. hold on to that stuff, regret I see people. And guilt. Yeah, yeah, life get away from them. 
So I had to forgive myself, and then I had to teach her those things while seeming like I had a dog in the fight. You know what I mean? Because in reality, as a mom, you have this mom guilt and stuff. Um, Forgiving yourself for your mistakes is the hardest part, but then having to teach your child, like, listen, I know it might seem like I'm telling you that you have to process this and move on because I don't want to listen to you talk about it, and that's not the case. What I'm telling you is that the people that can't process their childhood and move on from it, Life gets away from them later right, because yeah. they're constantly looking back. Right. And she's, Absolutely. She's just the most amazing, enlightened. We went through it. I was like, you have to tell me everything that you thought, that you felt, that you right. whatever. And when she was, uh, when she graduated high school, she got messed up on drugs a little bit. And, um, you know, having, having been in that lifestyle, people ask me, like, well, my kids messed up on drugs. What do I do? And I say, you put them out you kick them out of your house and you stop enabling them because as long as they're doing it in the comfort of your house. Yeah. I mean, do you think too, that's the, that's the, it, it creates a uh, faster path to rock bottom, right? Right. I got, I was in and out in six years. I got clean on my very first try. Yeah. And it was effortless because I was done. Yeah. And a lot of these people, they go to rehab before they're ready because their family drags them to rehab. Their family does interventions, all this other stuff. And, and then they go back home, they pay all their bills. Yep. And then they feel like a failure because they didn't. They failed at getting clean in it, and it it weakens their resolve. So, so it's really, really they didn't done. do it, right? The people around them did it, right? Right. And people think like we have to do something. We feel powerless. Whatever. I don't do like I just said. Go get done. Go do your thing. And she was in and out in less than a year. She wasn't doing hard drugs, but um, she was in and out in less than a year. And what that gave her was a perspective of how powerful drugs are, right? And how. How quickly the party can get away from you. Right. And, um, but she's just, she's just amazing and enlightened for her age. It's just. Well, I mean, yeah. And a lot of times people that go through stuff like that, of course you're enlightened. Right. You gain wisdom. Of course you do. It definitely uh, adds years to your life. Right. And your worldview for sure. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, you know, and it wasn't just. you know me, her biological dad, the the the, ba- the bad husband. He remarried mm-hmm. almost immediately, and okay. then gave birth to a son. And then single. Then that marriage didn't work out. Then he single parented the son while living a block down from her as her uncle, and never came and got her from his sister. Wow. Yeah. So was that never actually, like, hey, I'm your dad. Like, she knew it was her dad, but it was this whole weird thing. It was like, I just can't. I just can't. And, um. Wow. So I think, but she's even like, now my husband is her dad. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, because she's really known him as long as she's known me. And, you know, it's. He sees her so much as his daughter that we've right. had conversations where I'm like, you know, I don't just don't know where she got the top lip because I don't have a top lip. And he's like, well, obviously she got it for me. And then yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so then that's. So that's where you're at. And then so you get custody of your daughter again. Yes. I had to. I got clean here in Delaware. I had to move back to Portland and then kind of. You know, they'd been raising her. Yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah. want to get her up. Kind of back and, in. You know, they didn't yeah. want to let her go, and I totally understand that. And I fought for a long time within myself, like, is it wrong to go and, you right, know, right, right. but she, she's me. Yeah, Like, yeah. her personality is me, and they couldn't totally relate to her. Right. And so I pushed a little bit, and they gave her back at 14, which... Right. It's, it's crazy going straight into having a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um... So then, so you get her back at 14, and then do you start doing comedy again? Oh, so how I started doing comedy again is uh, I got clean and was like, I could never get on stage without doing a shot to like, or 10, to like calm my nerves. Okay. So when I got clean, I was like, I'll never go back to comedy because I don't drink now. I'm in recovery, and I could never do that. Right. And then like six months into it, someone's like, aren't you a comedian? And I was like, I mean, I did comedy when I was young. And they were like, we're doing like a recovery comedy show for a convention. Would you be the opener? And I said, yes, because it was six months away. Right. And then for six months, I had just anxiety over it. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And I can write. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably more than anything else is my talent is the ability to write. And yeah. so I had written the jokes, but the idea of getting on stage and trying to calm myself down right. without a shot of 
any something. Yeah. Um, so I ended up. That's how I got back into comedy. Because then once you get a taste of that, oh sure, adrenaline. Yeah, and and you have an addictive personality. Right, and I and I, you know, it is. There's something in me that just is. Yeah, and you seem like uh, you know I, I I can definitely attest to it is that you seem like a person that grew up that you loved attention. Mm-hmm. That you love being validated. Oh, yeah. I mean, I and I've said many times, like I was, you know, uh, I grew up in domestic violence and you know not feeling loved for a long time. So make people laugh, right? You know, yeah. and it's instant gratification, yeah, instant affirmation. Um, there's really the highs and the lows of it. There's there's nothing like it. You yeah, know? yeah. After you have a good show, yep. you're just like I don't. You know, I'm up all night just thinking about it. And after you have a bad show, it's like, yeah. what am I doing with yeah. my life? Or you can't wait to get to the next one. You're like to totally redeem yourself. Yeah, it takes about. Um, I haven't had like a ton of bad shows, but it takes about twenty good ones. Yeah. For me to stop. Oh boy. Talking about the bad one. Wow. Yeah. So so then you started doing recovery comedy and how how did that show go that first show? It went really good. Um and then that guy the headliner was yeah. like I'll take you to do um recovery shows with me as Triple my run? opener. <laughs> and so at that point I was just so afraid of getting high again that I yeah. was like there was like a battle for years about plus I felt like I needed to catch up to everyone my age. I was 28 when I got clean so I felt right. like I need to get credit and uh money and you know catch up to everyone else. Right. You know, I just squandered my 20s and so uh, I had a hard time deciding and committing to comedy for a really long time yeah. because I wanted to build a family. Right. And and so uh, he took me on a bunch of recovery, like recovery conventions kind of on that circuit. And then every one of those shows I did, they brought me back the next year as the headliner. And then I just kind of made, that's really where like I honed my craft was yeah, just yeah. like five years of just doing recovery comedy. Right. Um, and then. <clears throat> and recovery comedy is not clean. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. Okay. No. I mean, you could do, like the AA, they like it a little bit. They don't like like gratuitous yeah, right. cussing yeah, yeah. or whatever. And that's definitely something. Uh, I've burned all the evidence of my early comedy, but <laughs> it, it was like tons of cussing. I, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, gratuitous, all of that. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, and then those just got complicated, got kind of complicated getting paid correctly. So, um, I just kind of phased that out. And then I took a few years off because I had a couple kids. Yeah. So wait, and then, then, then you became the momination. Uh, then that was actually in 2012. I was like, okay, I just need a couple years to just focus on comedy. Otherwise. And I'd only had, I'd had Phoenix. Phoenix was two and a half. Well, so where let's go back real quick. Like where you have an awesome husband now. Yeah. Where did he come from? Meth days. So I actually... Oh, I do remember you telling me that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I met him... Because he was an addict too. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like scary and not fun to do meth with. Yeah. And so... He's like, uh, he that guy like, I'm going to rob this place and murder everyone inside. Yeah. Like, like there was what? just different you need to factions. Relax, Carl. <laughs> factions of the meth community. Yeah, sure. And I hung out with the people that did like fraud and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. they were, you know, pretty innocuous. I mean... <laughs> And you did that Unless for a while, your identity. didn't you? Um, during, I your, did, I, during your six years of meth, did you mess around with fraud? I could not. I didn't have any teeth. My teeth fell out instantly. Oh my I lost gosh. my teeth within a year. And yeah, so, I've seen you polydent before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it has to happen so often. I think one I of the first time I met them. you, you're like gluing a, a, some teeth <laughs> together. And I'm like, what the hell? What the hell are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm gluing in my meth teeth. <laughs> I'm like, mm, okay, that's... Uh, <laughs> I'm 80. <laughs> I'm 80. Yeah, I just uh, do it at the dinner table and stuff. I, I, I'm not even thinking about how crazy it is for the other people that are having to watch me do it. No, but yeah, it you know. needs to happen so often. They yeah. just will never fit, correct? This is the second pair, and they still don't fit. So I'm not going to the bathroom for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so my teeth fell out instantly. And, you know, I'm, I'm like 24, no teeth. Oh and God. so I was like, I'm not doing, I'm not an idiot. I'm not yeah. going to go like write a $300 check. I don't have teeth. Like I can yeah. write a $300 check. So, um, I had magical powers or like everyone, we all believed I had magical sure. powers. So that was pretty much my position in the community was I like, I was like a witch doctor mm, or something. That's, uh, <laughs> okay. That's interesting. That's, uh, that's like a whole other. Yeah. I, can't, I don't yeah. even know where to go on that one. Uh, I was like a meth witch doctor. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, now that's I had the punk all, band. <laughs> I had all of the information on the reptilian agenda before that was cool. Now it's like hip to know about the reptilian agenda. Okay. I'm sure you, you guys can, can just Google that. <laughs> um, yeah. I like to leave a little mystery. <laughs> yeah, I'll like, just, I'll throw some someone of these pause out. the podcast. Like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> Wait, the reptilian agenda. Um, you know, the government's Search. run by reptile, like yeah, a reptilian no, uh, alien race. You know. Yeah, the, V. <laughs> v. Remember the show V? I think that was in your head. I never saw that show, but. Oh, no, um, it's, it's reptile aliens <laughs> that are trying to teach the world a new government. Oh, well, they probably made that show so that people would r- wake up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So so you meet your husband, and now he's, like, a cool guy, and he's clean. Oh, he's amazing. Well, yeah. so I left because he was a douche, and uh, I left after eight months of dating on and off, and yeah. I was just like, okay, I got to get away from you. You're a real buzzkill. And so I moved back to Delaware and then just kind of decided on the airplane, I guess I'll get clean. Like, that was yeah, really yeah. how I went from – and I mean, like, I was doing meth every day. Yeah. I shot it up in my neck for a while. Oh um, like all the way down the rabbit hole. And when wow. I quit, it really was just like, Meh. Yeah. I was on the plane. I was going to have it sent to me. And then I was like, well, I'm going to be the only person tweaking in Delaware. Somebody's not going to send it to me when I send the money. That's going to make yeah. me mad. I guess I'll just quit. Meh. And then I got here and I thought I would drink or something eventually. Yeah. I hadn't really like, um, but I've never really loved downers. And so I was just waiting to finish coming down, which takes a long time yeah. after habitual meth use takes like a month. And so... Um, month of like nightmares and like, oh my gosh, like um, twitching, twitching and, and stuff. meth creatures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hallucin. It's yeah, it's crazy. So wow. um, I, and then I just kind of started going to meetings, and that was yeah. cool to have people to. I wasn't like tempted to use or anything. I was done, but it was cool to have. I wish I was talking about the reptilian agenda right now when these people walk by. <laughs> people walking past you like, I lost my teeth at 24. <laughs> um, yeah, so then six months later, he called me from a uh, halfway house called Thugs Off Drugs. <laughs> um, that was my second improv group. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and was like, I'm, you know, I'm getting clean. I think we should get married. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> Wait, what? He's like, I'm getting clean. We should get married. Yeah. He was like, I shouldn't have let you leave. I think we'd be good sober. Wow. And I was like, yeah, our relationship was not good. Yeah. And so I was like, no, my family hates you, dude. Like, no way. I came here to get away from you. And he was like, okay, well, um, I'll talk to your dad. So he calls my dad and is like, uh, I never... Would have let those things happen if I wasn't on drugs. I love your daughter. I'm getting clean. I'm going to start a life. And he's like, never. He's like, he's been off the rail since he was 13. Right. And so he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to come get your daughter, marry her and build a life with her. And my dad was like, "Uh, you come here and I'm punching you in the face. And he was (laughs) like, okay, well, it'll take a little time to earn your trust. I get that. I'll see you soon. And he came out here after six months. He lived in a halfway house for a year. Yeah. He got a job. He got his. He paid off all his restitution. He got a, like he's the most amazing person ever. Wow! And could not. It's it's kind of neat too that you kind of had something to do with that. Like the the positive that he was looking forward to by recovering, you right. had something to do with that. Right. That's neat. And we hated each other. Like it was the most like like annoying relationship yeah. I've ever had. Like I was well, like, I have, why am I, I have, drawn to this guy? I have guy? friends from high school that in high school, they hated each other. And then all of a sudden, they're married with kids. Right. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I guess some part of me knew that he would eventually be, I do, like, I can't even, we don't even, like, we haven't had a fight. We agree about everything. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we just resonate <laughs> on every level. And um, that's not easy for me because I'm so... I require a ton of freedom and mm. I always want to be planning something and I always, it has to be constant change and stuff. And so that's right. exhausting for most people. And he's just the perfect. Just in stride. Yeah. And he knows, he knows how far to let me go. Cause like a lot of times I'll just fizzle out on yeah. a trip, you know, I'll yeah, run yeah. it, I'll run the whole thing and then be like, never mind. And so he doesn't try to stop me. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah, he's just, and then he just wants to constantly change and improve and grow and and climb ladders and and do bigger and better, and so that totally satisfies the part of me that wants right new thing, you know, not things, but 
parts of life. I want to be experiencing a different life every few years. I'm wow. not someone that could just be like, get a job and work until my pension. I can't like, do it I either. I could never. I can't. I can't live in the same and my, place. And my wife is spectacular like that, too. She knows that I need some kind of adventure. Yes. Like, I need, always have to have goals. I could never work in an office. Right. You know, I've done some of that before. But even a lot of my jobs, too, were very hands-on. You know, I worked in ministry and worked with kids and went and took them places and you know, I worked in, you know, camps and stuff and had fun doing that. And, you know, in marketing, I wasn't exactly at an office. I'm running around. You know, I DJed. I delivered pizza. I built retaining walls. I owned a landscaping company. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it was always, I always had to, like, stay moving and stay moving forward. Exactly. You know? And, um, and that's what's exciting about stand-up. And my wife gets, I mean, it's tough at first. Yeah. You know, but she gets that it's like, oh, like, you're in charge of you. And you can keep moving forward right. on your own will. Right. You know, well, kind of. <laughs> well, and that's big because President of showbiz has, to, has a lot to do with it. Right. Um, because but, she's got to be the one that has to stay home. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so that's. But she's equally as amazing in that way. Right. You know, like she has that ability, which I'm like, what? Right. You know? Yeah, because there are lots of. Um, but, you know, she's running marathons, beasting it out. That's so crazy. Like Wonder Woman clinking her cufflinks. It makes me feel bad about canceling cardio so I can make chicken wings today. <laughs> like, well, I'm not going to go to the gym, but I'm going to make chicken this wings. Should, this should be your Twitter profile. <laughs> Perpetually canceling cardio to mm-hmm. make chicken wings. That's I'm it. I'm never going to be able to get back in these pants. So when did you when did you start comedy again after you got married? No, I start I started doing comedy. I mean, and that, that's a, I went and had a conversation with him and was like. Uh, I'm thinking that I want to get back into comedy. This is like right after he moved. I did that first recovery show right after he moved to Delaware. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I said, are you going to have a problem with me traveling with dudes and being in hotel rooms with dudes? Because, you know, when you're the feature act, sometimes you have to share the room with the guys or whatever. I mean, no, not at all. But go ahead. He was like, why? um, On crappy one-nighters, you do. I get it. Um, And he was like, nope. Don't care. Do whatever you want. And so he's the most secure person I've ever met. I mean, I'm super loyal um, anyway. But, yeah, just just complete opposite of Yeah, I mean, when you have someone like that, you know, when you have someone that's so supportive, you're like, yeah, why? I want that. Yeah, I I just... I don't want to ruin that. Right. I just... um, I marvel all the time that there was a person on the planet made. Like oh, when people are like, relationships are hard. I'm like, I have no I idea what you're talking about. I like I, me literally. Too. You know what? My wife and I always have that conversation. We're like we know couples and we're like, why aren't we that messed up? Like, why are they so miserable? Right. Like it's foreign. I mean, I think we definitely like, I see marriage as completely sacred. This marriage. I don't. I don't allow myself to feel sorry for myself. I don't allow myself to nitpick things. We navigate sure. around each other rather right. than trying to change each other. I never talk behind his back. Not that I have much to vent about ever, oh, right. but I never, yeah. ever discuss him negatively behind yes his back. Yes. It is, if you don't treat it like the most important thing yep. in your life, Absolutely. you will chip away at it. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. so I don't know if this is just 10 years of that kind of right. effort, but, um, after this much time together, you know, in the very beginning, I tried to control him a little bit. I remember wanting to discuss sure. what time he gets up in the morning and stuff. Yeah. And he was like, get out of here. Just <laughs> shut up. Um, I just hit that brick wall and was like, yeah, what am I doing? But, um, yeah, when I hear people are like, you know, marriage is hard. Been together a long time. It's hard. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you're. Yeah. Sorry. I can't relate to that. Yeah. It's the easiest, most yeah, amazing like amazing accomplishment in, in, of my whole life. Right, I know. And, and like my wife is the most amazing person I've ever met. Like I'm I, I'm I I'm it's so funny saying like, you know, she completes me. Right. The whole but it's I'd be a mess. You're one of like three people on the planet that when I talk about marriage, like I like we understand each other. Yeah, like I'd be a mess. I feel like I told so, her I yeah. would be like I'd have illegitimate children. I've had I've I would have AIDS. I'd be right. a mess. <laughs> I'd be a mess. So, thank you. You yeah. know, I always give her credit for my success in comedy. You know, I wouldn't be able to do it unless she supported me. You right. Know? It's amazing. So so you, you get married and, and you start having kids. I didn't want to have any kids until I got Nicole back because I didn't want okay. her to think that I... Um, that was very... When I gave her up, the conversation I had with her dad was that if we do this, we can't have more kids because she can never think that it was her. Right, right, right. 
And so then he got straight to doing that. Like, right. the, that baby was born nine months and one day later. And so um, I was just determined that I wasn't going to build a family without her in it. Right. And so I got pregnant with Phoenix about two months after Nicole moved in with us. Wow. And so, kind of perfect timing. Yeah, because you want to be raging with pregnancy hormones when you're dealing with a 14 year old <laughs> raging with puberty hormones. Who hasn't lived with you for 10 right, years? Right. Who doesn't know you for at all? Yeah. That was <laughs> that was not crazy. That's um, that's a show. Yeah. That's she a discovered pot in ninth grade. <clears throat> oh boy. And um, I was, I was. Uh, I had come here to do some gigs, and then American Airlines grounded all their flights. I don't, I don't know if you were. This was like eight years ago, so probably not. So American Airlines grounded all their flights yeah. to fix something, so it was weeks before I could get back home. And while I was gone, she I don't fly American Airlines anyway. Gross, I'm Southwest yeah. all the Southwest, way. 100% Southwest, 100% now. Southwest, if you want to sponsor this podcast, you <laughs> sure can, because I love you. Southwest, you, to, you can get 100% of the ticket yep. value if you need to change the yep. ticket. And two free bags. Yep. Who else does that? I don't fly anyone else anymore. Nope, no way. Southwest. I used to think that I had a travel curse because my flights got canceled all the time, and then I realized it's because nope. I was flying United. And also, uh, the Southwest credit card is the best rewards card on the planet. Is it? Yes, it is. I think that's the only credit card I don't have yet. So that's, No, I. that's the only one I have. Let's see, that, uh, we went debt-free. We went credit card free for five years, paid off all of our debt. We went through the Dave, Dave Ramsey program. Now it's now it's getting grown up shit. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, you know, it's really hard to rent a car cash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or checking the hotels with your debit card. And it's like, and then, you know, you tour with people like Bob Saget and you're staying in a five-star ho- hotel or resort. And they're like, oh, you have to put down $300 to stay here. And I'm yeah. like, oh, oh snap, like I gotta pay my mortgage. Right. <laughs> like, so then it's like then you're hold, they're holding three hundred dollars yep. for seven days. Yeah, um, you can't do it on your debit yeah, card. Oh my god, that. you run a car with your debit card, you're screwed. Oh, that's five hundred bucks sometimes. Yep. Yeah, it's a mess. Anyway, little grown up little grown up segment right there. Little aside, debt sucks. Um so, so did you instantly start talking about your kids when you were doing stand up when you were pregnant? No, I did tons of uh it was almost all addiction stuff because it was such a huge theme in my life and in two yeah in 2013 i rewrote my first like parenting i rewrote an hour i wrote a new hour and it and then really kind of started to focus on my kids because i feel like the addiction stuff is so far behind me i talk a little bit about it just so you know yeah 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 but no it's something that's so unique and that's what that's why like i definitely wanted to talk to you and i think and and Seeing you do comedy, uh, we met at Big Sky Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. one of the big best festivals the in best the country. Festival. It's spectacular. It's so good. Uh, you meet so many good people. It's loaded with amazing comedians. Um, and I just thought, like, wow, what? A, like, not only you're a mom of really four kids, right? And uh, you know, you have this worldview and this history and this past that just makes you such an original comedian. And that's it's very rare. It's it's very rare to have comedians that have such original voices that talk about, you know, their life. Right. And people resonate with that. And I say this and it kinda it might be with a grain of salt, it might be a little silly, but like people are such into reality shows. Right. That I think that I hope and I think that right now people are starting to relate to that again. Right. People people like finally, people like Louis C. K. and Bill Burr coming up hard. Yeah. Like, like coming up, they've been doing it for so long and they're just being real their whole right. life. And, you know, and I talk about marriage and kids and people resonate with that. And people, people resonate with that original story, that, 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 that Yeah, I really feel like that's the thing that people, you know? everything else seems not genuine mm-hmm. now in comedy. So I'm glad that uh, the even trend though, is catching even though, up. Even so. though what we do is, is still like a, a character of ourselves. Right. You know, but it still like comes from somewhere. Right. You know, somewhere real. And I think people really resonate with that. And I think I think people would resonate with your story and they do. Yeah. You know, everybody's gone through something. People go through addiction. You've done recovery shows and people are moms. Right. <laughs> and yeah. parents. Yeah. So it's like you're covering all the bases. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if only you were a minority, you would <laughs> cover a thousand percent of the world. Yeah. Like through every kind of hardship. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, no. And um, where can people check you out? I spend most of my time on Facebook. I haven't <laughs> updated my website. I'm too long-winded for Twitter. Um, 
Yeah, so Facebook now, YouTube. I'm starting a new YouTube thing. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, yeah, subscribe to me on YouTube because I've got a YouTube, uh, new YouTube series. It's dropping yeah, you, very soon. Dropping, dropping. I'm dropping it. Mixtape exclusive. Talk, right? <laughs> yeah, just a read exclusive. Um, I like saying that. If I can, I'm going to put that at the uh, beginning. If I can say uh, exclusive like DJ Clue, then I'll, I'll take that opportunity every time. I actually need you to give me that sound bite so okay. that I could just start the videos okay. of that. <laughs> Just read exclusive, <laughs> new joint, new joint, hot shit. <laughs> Maybe I'll put it at the end. Um, and you you did a little comedy tour, the Momination tour. I um no, we didn't do that. You didn't do that? I thought you did that for a minute. Oh uh, man, that no, was a good story. Yeah. Um, no, the manager turned out to be completely insane and yeah, had well. never booked the gigs. Oh okay. Well, uh, well, that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, people know that I uh, that I that I work with Arcade Comedy Theater in Pittsburgh. I really want to bring you there, and uh, I had a lot of fun talking to you. Me too. And, I, I, and, I'm, and, and like, I know that a lot of people that listen, they love the stories of comedy and parenting, and you know, hardships. That's yeah. kind of comedy, parenting, and hardships. That's yeah. the three words that describe this podcast. Yes. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're Thank the you best. All right. Um, see you guys. Follow your heart. That's what I say. Isn't that good? That's sweet. Or I say, be kind and be funny. What do you think yeah. about that? Uh, use gentle words. Yeah, right? Don't listen. I'm going to go into this convention with the high schoolers. No, they're not high schoolers. They're middle schoolers. And, Which uh, are the literally the worst people on the planet. Yeah. No, now now I don't like them anymore Mm-mm. at all. I uh, have. Like, my whole, my whole parenting outlook is, like, make my kids cool, like, good teenagers that's my only goal yeah like i don't want them to be start turning crazy when they hit middle school yeah um but i tell people be be kind and be funny like when people ask for comedy advice i break it down and just go hey look just be kind and be funny and you'll get gigs you'll be all right and you know what people like you in life too yeah yeah thanks jessa thanks